to be here today. So we get ready to go into the message. Like with every week, we say this and we encourage you with this. Come on, you're going to get out what you put in. And we just want you to put into this message today. We want you to sow into this message. You need to have your notepads out. You need to have your pens out. Maybe it's your smartphones, your iPads, whatever it is. Just get them out so you can be taking notes because there's definitely things today that's going to be shared and relayed that you're going to need. If you don't get it all today, you're not going to get it all today. But you're going to enjoy it tomorrow and the next time that you look through it or listen to it. And we just really encourage you to do that and to be a part of that today. Come on, just put your hand on your heart and say, dear Jesus, speak to me today. Amen. I really pray that you've been enjoying this series, The Gift of Christmas, or really the gifts of Christmas, because Jesus came as the gift of Christmas. But because of him being the gift, there are many gifts countless gifts that we have available to each and every one of us. And here's what we have tended to do in the past with gifts. Sometimes we keep them in a box. Sometimes we put them up under the bed. Sometimes we just put them away in the closet because that's where we put those gifts that are non-used gifts. And I pray that none of you have just boxed what we've been talking about. I pray none of you have just put it on the bed or under the bed and excused it and hid it in the back. But I pray that you would realize that we're giving to you today gifts that will keep on giving. A gift that will keep on giving. We've looked at the gift of expectancy. Mary, you're going to have a baby. An expectancy that she had, believing in the ability of God to move on your behalf. That's what we talked about. We looked at the good news that God loves us. He's for us, that he's with us. That's good news. And we need to know that in our life. We've looked at the gift of life. How many were here last week and got some new life? Come on. Well, you need some more today. I said, how many were here last week and got some life? Good, good. And we're looking at the life that God comes to give. The thief comes to what? steal, kill, and destroy. God says, I've come to give you life. There's only two ways, God's way and our way. And we will never find life in our way. We will only find life in God's way. And these are the best Christmas gifts that I have ever experienced. And I pray that they are for you today. And today we're going to talk about another awesome gift. Are you ready? The gift of grace. The gift of grace. Say that with me. The gift of grace the grace of God. And we're going to go back to the story, the greatest story that's ever been told of Jesus coming to this world. And we're going to kind of jump around the story today, but it's going to make sense for what we're trying to present to you today. So let's jump into the story at Luke chapter 2 and verse 7. It says, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger 
because there was no room for them in the inn. Next verse. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Verse 16. And they came with haste. The angels visited them, told them about Jesus. They responded and ran to life. Come on now, they ran to life. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now turn back, if you would, to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. We read these earlier, but listen to them again. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. They're just in the wrong place. But they've come to worship him. He wasn't where they supposed that he was. And then if we would go on and look in verse 9 through 11 of that same chapter, it says this, When they heard the king talking of Herod, He said, go and find him and then come back and tell me. But the reason why he said that was because he wanted to destroy Christ. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Verse 10, when they saw the child, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house... They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened up their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I love this picture. I love the event that God has set up, the scene of the nativity, the nativity scene. Judah loves our nativity scene at our house. In fact, Kelly had to go out and buy him a new one, and there's a problem in the house. We've lost Jesus. We've, we don't know where Jesus is. He's, he's gone, so now we're just telling G- Judah that Jesus is in your heart, Judah. He's in your heart. We've lost Jesus. We had to buy him his own because he was breaking the other one. We've had some legs fall off some lambs. We've had some things break. But now he's got a set that he loves. But the picture of Christmas is something that each one of us knows very dear. And I don't want to mess it up for you, but really that picture is not really truly correct. The picture of Christmas, how we display it. Because it was probably a cave that they were at, not a stable. Now, a cave wouldn't look so good on your desk as a stable does. But it was probably a cave that they would tell us that Christ was born in. And it definitely wasn't that the wise men and the shepherds were all together at the same time. Because the Bible told us, we just read, that the wise men came to the house where they were. It was some time later. And in our minds, we have three wise men or three kings. The Bible doesn't tell us the number of kings that actually came. But we conclude that it is three. Why? Because of the numbers of gifts that were given, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now here, I don't want you to go home and say, man, it's just a a fake, it's a phony, I'm going to throw away my nativity scene. That's not what we're trying to say to you today. We're just going through the facts from God's word. 
But I want you, every time you look at a nativity scene, to see what I believe the purpose of it truly is. Are you ready? It's a picture of grace. It's a picture of grace. The gift of grace that is displayed for each and every one of us. If we look at that picture and we think of a nativity set, who do we see in the middle? We see a virgin called Mary. We see someone who wasn't special. She didn't have title. She didn't have honor, but she found favor with God. Next to her, we see Joseph, who had every right in those days to put her away. And when you say put her away, he could have had her killed for the fact that she was pregnant before marriage. So he had to go through the hurt of, and the pain of the decision. An angel comes to him. We're going to discover that a little bit later and speaks to him. So here's an incredible picture of a man who had to go through a lot, put his reputation on the line, put everything he was so he could be in the picture. Then on one side, what do we see? We see shepherds. What you've got to understand about shepherds is this. Shepherds was one of the lowest occupations of that day. They were regarded as kind of forgotten, almost people. There wasn't people lining up. There wasn't a waiting list for, I want to be a shepherd.com. Come on, there wasn't shepherd in school. Wasn't the most popular school people were going to. In fact, it was probably one of those positions, if you had nothing else to do, last resort, then go out and take care of some sheep. But then notice what's on the other side. The royalty, the splendor, the majesty of three kings, three wise men that came, presenting gifts that were of more value than what the shepherds and Mary and Joseph would be able to make probably in their entire livelihood. In one moment, given those gifts. So really what you can say is, it's a mixed crowd. Come on, it's a mixed bunch from one extreme to the other with those in between. And why would you say it's a mixed crowd? Because that's a picture of grace. That's a picture of grace. Why? Because grace makes it possible that no one is excluded and no one is left out from the most lowly, a shepherd, to the most stately and the most regal as a king. In the most humblest of places, a stable, a manger, animals, those around. Guess what? A picture that all of mankind, no matter who you are, is included into the story of Christmas. Come on, grace has every one of us covered today. I don't care where you are in life. You fit that picture. Come on, you fit in there in one extreme or the other. You fit in there. And that's a picture of grace. Every time you look at it, yes, see the Savior, but yet see the grace that He has made fully possible to each one of our lives. A number of years ago, they took a poll of 5,000 churchgoers, not just people who use church as an excuse, but people who are in church each and every service. And they asked them if they would list down their top three definitions or descriptions of what they would call grace or what to them grace is, what grace was. Tell us what you think grace is. 
And I'm probably pretty sure that their answers would be pretty similar to what you and I would put down on a piece of paper. Here were the top three answers of what grace is. The first one was this, salvation. Salvation. The second one was this, unmerited favor. That which we don't deserve. And the third one, I love this, another chance. Aren't you glad God's a God of another chance? And he's not God of a second chance. Come on, I don't know about you. I blew the second one a long time ago. But we're on another chance. And if we were to describe grace as those people did, we wouldn't be wrong in doing so. Because those things are exactly what grace is. Is. Come on, say with me what grace is. Look at this. I'm going to give you some grace is. Are you ready? Grace is a sovereign act of God. It's his unmerited favor upon each and every one of our lives. It's the giving of forgiveness that is so undeserved. Come on, do I hear an amen or oh my, thank you, Jesus, something. If you're going to say amen in the house, that's a good place to say. Come on, that which is totally undeserving of each one of our lives. Look at this. Here's another grace is. Are you ready? Grace is when we get what we don't deserve or when we don't get something we did deserve. Do you see that? Let me explain that to you. Come on, if you're speeding down the road, and that's something that I never do. God help me, I just lied in church. Hallelujah. But when you're speeding down the road, and the policeman stops you, and he pulls you over, and he says to you, sir, do you know what speed you were going? That's like a trick question, isn't it, right there? Do you know what speed you were going? And then you confess, or he tells you the speed that you're going. And then he says to you these words, I'm going to let you off today. Come on, say with me, that's grace. Come on, give me some of that grace. Come on, we want that grace. That's grace. Here's another example. You ready? You're in the coffee shop, in the line. You're in Starbucks. And you're waiting in line. It's a long line. And you're getting really impatient. And you're getting really mad because, I mean, what's the deal with everyone? Don't they know you've got places to go, people to go? I mean, if people don't know how to order properly, then just go to McDonald's and get a coffee. Come on now. you got to know the frappo slapo, hold this with an extra dose of this and that. Come on, you just know those things if you go to Starbucks. What's wrong with these people? And you are so mad that when you get up to the register, you are fuming to hear these words. Sir, ma'am, the person in front of you has paid for your coffee today. Come on, say that's grace. That's grace. Come on, the speeding ticket is not what you, you don't deserve that. You did wrong. Come on, the coffee that someone's bought to you, come on, you don't deserve that either. But guess what? Someone gave it to you anyway. Do you see the fact of what grace is? It's the unmerited favor, literally the forgiveness, the forgiveness of God. Another chance, another opportunity, and the chance and the opportunity that we need to make it count. Have you ever said, have you ever heard someone say, if I could just get that job, if I could just get that break, if I could just get another chance, come on, give me another chance. Come on, you've been in the bedroom with your kids and they've got a basketball goal on the door and you throw up and you miss. And what do you say to them? Just give me another chance. I'm going to get it this time. Oh, just one more. Come on, just give it to me. Come on, come on, give, give it. To me. Come on, sometimes I need a lot of grace. Come on, I need a lot of grace with that. 
But we convince ourselves what? If we just had one more opportunity, I can make it count. That's grace. Come on, that's God's another opportunity for your life to be the right parent that you need to be. You've maybe messed up in the past, but the grace of God is the opportunity to try again. Come on, to be the spouse that your husband or wife needs. Come on, to be the worker. Come on, just to do it right. It's the other opportunity that we can make it swoosh and we can make it count. However, that's only one side of grace. That's only one side of grace. And as important as forgiveness is, we still have to live life. Hello? As important as having another chance and being forgiven in our life, we've still got to live life. It'd be great if we could lock ourselves at home and just live in our grace bubble. But we've got to go to work. Where some people are going to rub us the wrong way. Come on, not only at work, but driving to work. Come on, we're going to lose our salvation 29 times in the car. And we're going to point at a whole lot of people in the wrong way while we're driving. Come on, it'd be great if we could just stay at home and be in church. What about if we could be here all week and just stay here and just sing and praise God and be in our grace? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, we've still got to live. We have still got to live. Look at this statement. Are you ready? Forgiveness, which is the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, will set you up in the right position to move forward. But you still need strength or ability to move forward. Forgiveness sets you in the right place. But now you need something else. Come on, to keep you in the right place. To keep you where you need to be. So back to the survey. 98% of people thought grace only as what it is. Leaving only 2% that understood that grace is not only salvation, unmerited favor, another chance. But grace is also the power or the empowerment of God upon your life. The power of God for your life. You see, grace is not just a is. That's what it is. Come on, grace is also a does. What it wants to do in each one of your lives. Here's grace. Here's another grace is. Are you ready? Grace is God's omnipotent power. I love that word omnipotent. That means all-powerful. That means there is nothing he cannot do. There is not even one that would come close to his equal. There's not even someone even close that could label themselves as I'm kind of close to God. He is so far out on his own that it is just absolutely unbelievably real. Come on now, his omnipotent power. Oh, but God can't do that. His omnipotent power can. Well, God is unable. No, his omnipotent power is able to do all things. So what is grace? It's God's omnipotent power working on behalf of who? Us. You, me, working on behalf of us, the believer. That means, therefore, if only 2% of those polled saw that, that means 98% of church goers, us today, 
The majority of us today fail to have a proper understanding of truly what grace is. And as a result of not really knowing truly what grace is, we try to do life on our own. We try to be the strength and we try to be the ones that's making the decisions. And it's not good and there's no wonder so many of us struggle. It's no wonder so many of us are fighting a losing battle in our lives. Because grace is two-sided. It's forgiveness and power. Come on, it's forgiveness and power. And not just any power. The omnipotent power of God that wants to work in your life. So I'm going to look at it today, the two sides of grace. We're going to start first with the forgiveness of grace. Because it has to start there. Everyone agree with me? Come on, we can't live like God if we don't give our lives to God. It's got to start at a place of forgiveness in each one of our lives. A place where all are included, that none are left out. The unmerited favor of God that's available to every one of us, if we'll just ask him. Look what it says, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That's believing in him. But it's by grace through your belief, notice that, that you are saved and not of yourselves. It's nothing you can do. It's nothing you could have done to earn or to merit the salvation that God wants to give to you. It's only by his forgiveness. It's only through his grace. Why? Because it is the gift of God, the gift of grace, the gift of God To you, to you, to me. It's the gift of God. Verse 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I cannot take credit for my life. I cannot take credit for the forgiveness and the abilities that I have. Why? Because it's only by His grace. Through faith, through believing, through giving my life to Christ. But it's only through Him and His grace that I am what I am today. We don't deserve it. Look again at that nativity scene when you get home on a card, on a picture, on your mantelpiece. Come on. Why Mary? Why Joseph? Why the shepherds? Why the wise men? Why you and I? Only by grace. Only by grace. By God's forgiveness and unmerited favor because we don't deserve it, but yet he still makes it fully possible for us anyway. Don't you love that? We don't deserve it. But yet he says, here it is. Here it is. Doesn't take it back and say, you're right, you don't deserve it. He gives it to everyone. Everyone. None is excluded. All we have to do is ask him for his forgiveness. It's no wonder the hymn writer wrote these words. Amazing grace. Come on. It's not just grace. It's amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm fine. I was blind, but now I see. It's amazing grace. Come on. It's amazing grace. Amazing grace. The word grace in the Greek is pretty interesting. The word grace in the Greek, it is charis. C-H-A-R-I-S. And it actually comes from the same root word as kara, which means joy, and kario, which means to rejoice. So charis literally means to cause 
rejoicing. Grace wants to cause rejoicing to your life. Can you picture what it's trying to do inside of you? It wants to cause rejoicing, that which was dead, that which had no hope, that which was over. Grace comes in and makes way for a new rejoicing, a new hope, a fresh vision. It's the word chosen and used to describe God's grace that is extended to a sinful man, causing rejoicing. God wants to cause rejoicing, unmerited favor, undeserved blessings, the hope and joy and rejoicing that it wants to give. Come on, that free gift, a free gift. But you know why it comes to us free? Because it was paid for with an extreme price. He gave his life that we could have forgiveness. Nothing more he could do than given his life that you and I could have forgiveness. And wow, what a gift, what a gift. It's not what we deserve. And sometimes I, I, I look at situations in my life and, and God blesses you with something and, and someone gives you something. Have you ever said these words? Wow, I didn't see that coming. Wow, that's awesome. I, I didn't see that coming. That's the grace of God. We didn't see it coming, but it came anyway. Come on, turn to your name and say, didn't see it coming. But thank God it came. Come on, thank God it came. But it doesn't stop there. Say with me, that's what it is. And it's a big is. Come on, and now, come on, here's what it does. Are you ready? Here's what it does. An angel appears to Joseph in a dream, and we're going to go back to the story, if we could. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 through 23. Joseph hears the news of Mary. He's going to put her away. He doesn't want harm to come to her. He's betrayed. He's cheated. And an angel comes and says, don't be afraid. What she's telling you is the truth. It's, it's me. It's, an, it's God. I'm the one that's put that inside of her. Just trust. Just take care of her. I'm going to watch over you. And the angel says to Joseph, and she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Savior, one who saves. For he will save his people from their sins. So all of this was done that they might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. His name shall be called Emmanuel. Come on, help me out. His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Why would I read that today? Because we're talking about what grace does. Jesus came not just for us to forgive us, To redeem us. Come on, that's what grace is. That's his forgiveness. But he came specifically to be with us. Through our lives, the decisions we make, the choices we make. He didn't just come for us. He came to be with us. He came that we could walk victoriously in every circumstance and situations of our lives. Because remember, that's the two sides of grace. There's forgiveness and then there's the power, the empowerment of God. Come on, the forgiveness side is what? It's the forgiveness of grace. And now what? The grace part or the power part is what? Now grace to forgive because I'm forgiven. I now can forgive. Do you see that? That's the sides of grace. What's another thing? Grace is another chance. And because I have another chance, guess what? Now I have the ability to do what? To get it right. 
the ability now to get it right. Here's the next one. It's something I don't deserve. That's the forgiveness of grace. But guess what? It's something that I get to have. And I've got to have. And I need to have in my life. Look what it says in John chapter 1, Big John. I like that. I went to the prison the other day and the guy said, turn to Big John because there's little Johns too in the Bible. Did you know that? John 1, 2, and 3. This is Big John, St. John. It says in Big John chapter 1, here's John making the announcement of Jesus who was going to come into this earth. Beginning in verse 1, he says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus coming. Come on. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the father, the only begotten of the father. God so loved the world that he gave his son for us. The only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Two more verses up. 16 says this, and of his fullness... We have all received and grace for grace. Come on, say with me, grace for grace. Listen to that version or that verse from the NIV. Look what it says. Out of his fullness. What? The omnipotent power of God. Everything that God is. Come on, you've got to see this. You should be shouting today if you're seeing this. Out of everything that God is, out of his fullness, what? We have now received grace in the place of grace that was already given. What does that mean? Let me explain that. We have received grace in the place of grace already given. What John is saying is this, that in the Old Testament before Jesus came, there was only a type or a shadow of what grace really was. It was what they hoped for. It's what they believed for. They just hoped in a Savior that was going to come. They just believed that He was going to come. But what they hoped for, the type and the shadow, come on, is nothing in comparison to the fullness of grace that we and each one of us can now receive or really what Christ has now made fully possible to each one of our lives. What does that mean? The grace that we now have available to us. It's not just something we hope for. It's something that we have. Come on, it's the ability. It's the power. It's the enabling presence of God that wants to be with us to help us. It's not something, oh, maybe one day my prince is going to come. Come on, it's not a fairy tale and hope there's going to be a happily ever after. Come on, grace has taken place of what was and now is for each one of our lives. It's the grace, it's the power, it's the fullness of God in each one of our lives. Through Him coming, through Him dying, through Him giving His life and being the spotless sacrifice, through Him rising again, we now have everything that we could ever need to be an overcomer. Come on, what they just hoped for in the Old Testament. Come on, we have right now. Come on, out of His fullness, we have received now a grace in place of a grace that was already given. Come on, it's His fullness available to each one of you in your daily walk. Look at this. You cannot have anything unless you believe. And to believe, you've first got to 
know it. You've got to know first. Come on, you've got to first know it. You can't have anything unless you believe, and to believe you've got to know first. You see, the Bible says the truth you know is the truth that's going to set you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth that you know, that's what's going to set you free, bring freedom in your life. We just don't know this truth, and many of us don't. And it's a sad reality that many don't know the truth of grace that is now available for our lives. But you do now. Come on, you're without excuse right now. Come on, because you know the truth, because we're presenting to you the fullness of God that you have available for your life. Well, I can't help it. I'm just going to fall again. Hey, listen, His grace says different today. Come on, His fullness of power says you're going to be a better husband. You're going to be a better wife. You're going to be a better parent. You're going to be a better child. You're going to pass that test. Come on, you're going to make it through. Why? Because His omnipotent power, His grace is fully available to each one of our lives. I'm telling you, that's one of the greatest reasons we need to be in church each and every week. Because some of you don't know this stuff. You need to be here. I had the privilege this week to sit down with someone who's been coming to our church for a number of months now. And they said to me, Pastor Philip, you know what? I'm new to all of this. I was brought up different to this. I don't know how to have a relationship with God, but I want what you've got. Tell me how I can experience a relationship with you, with God. And I went through how you experience a relationship with God, how you surrender and say, God, just come into my life. And how you begin to talk with God and commune with God and learn how to pray. And you get in the word and and you get around other godly people and you come to church and you get involved in those things and the importance of those. And had the privilege in Starbucks on Thursday night to take his hand and lead him to God in the middle of a Starbucks. Come on. I don't care who was looking. I don't care what they thought. Maybe thought we were gay. I don't care what they thought. Come on. Come on. We were just loving on Jesus. We were joining hands on a table and we were praying and we had our eyes closed and we were just having a moment of grace. Come on. A moment of grace. But it wasn't just the forgiveness of grace. It was the empowerment of grace that I believe he left that place a different person. Come on. He now is able to conquer those things that are maybe being beaten him. Why? Because he's walking in the fullness. Of grace. That's why you need to be in church so you can know these things, so you can learn these things. You see, here's the deal. You will never hit your physical goals if you go to the gym once a month. Put all the pictures you want of what you want to be and all your goals. You ain't going to hit those if you're going to the gym only once a month. And you can go to the gym for 10 hours for one day in a month. It's not going to do you any good. And it's the same with church. Listen to me. You cannot hit your spiritual potential if you're not in the house. Come on, if you're sporadic to the house, you're going to have sporadic results. And God's about sustained results and seeing your life blessed. Come on, that's the gift of church. That's another gift for you. You've got a gift called church. You're blessed to be here. Got to move on. Say, move on, pastor. Come on, that was rude, every one of you. (laughs) Ephesians 4 verse 7, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. To each one of us, grace has been given according to Christ's gifts or apportioned to it. Paul is addressing the believers here who have experienced first the forgiveness of grace. He's not just talking to anyone. He's talking to the believers who have first experienced the forgiveness of grace. That's how they're a believer. That's how they're a child of God, through accepting the unmerited favor of God. But he's then showing us or telling us the fact that each one of us has been given God-given abilities, talents and giftings. 
We've been graced with things. Have you ever said that about someone? They've been graced with that. I mean, they're so compassionate. They've been graced with that. They've just been graced with patience. Oh, my God, how can they be so patient? That's a gift. That's a grace that has been upon their lives. Who gave, gave that to us? God. He has given us a measure of those gifts. And if you would read around this verse, and we haven't got time, you would discover that those gifts through grace have been given to each one of us to strengthen the body of Christ, to build and establish His work and His kingdom. Your abilities or your grace in, whether you feel maybe a small or large, it's yours to use in His service. Remember the story or the parable of the talents? So often we make the talents about how much was given that some got more than the other. That wasn't the purpose of the story. We make it like that because that's how we look. Well, they've got more than me, so they must be loved more than me, or they must be better than me. That's what man makes it. That's not what God makes it. God was just showing that everyone's different, and other people have different things to other people. Come on, it's the nativity scene. It's the picture of grace. Everyone's included. But what's the message of the story? It's not how much is given, but how much is used. It's what you are doing with that which has been given to you. And that's the main point. And God's power is made available or fully or his fullness is made available to us to empower us to be able to fulfill his calling. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. That which he has called us to do, God has given you the grace to be able to do that. That means you've been given the grace if you've got children to be the parent that you need to be. Come on, if you're married, you've been given the grace and we need to give more grace. But we've been given enough grace. Oh, I can't take this. Yes, you can through grace because God has given you everything. You can work harder and be the hardest worker at work. Why? Because God's given you the grace to do that. You can be the Christian that you need to be living a victorious life. Why? You are freed from excuse today. Why? Because God says grace was given according to what you are called to do and be the gift of God upon your life. God says, I've given you the grace that you need to function in that. That's why Paul is able to write in Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, through his grace, through his power that wants to work through me. Notice Paul didn't say I'm called to do all things, but here's the thought. I can do the things that God has called me to do. Come on today, you have the grace available, the power of God available to be what you need to be. Just a couple more scriptures today. 2 Peter 1 verse 2 through 3 says this, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. If you've got that scripture, that would be great. And Jesus our Lord, as a result of believing in God is what he's talking about, his unmerited favor, as a result of his forgiveness, we now have grace and peace that is multiplied to us. Verse 3 says, And his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and goodness through knowledge or relationship of him who has called us by glory and by virtue, by Grace. Listen to it from the NIV verse 3. It says, And His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Come on, His divine power, His grace 
has given you and I everything that you need to live a God. Oh, I can't live for God. It's so tough. His grace, His power has given to you and I. You see, it's not a question of His power. It's a question of how much we're operating in and how much we're using because we've got it. It's there for us. His grace has given to us what we need. Come on, thank God for His forgiveness, but there's also the power of God that we need. And look at this, when Paul was asking for answers, God gives him the answer that he needs. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, beginning, it says, Unless that I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation. In other words, he's saying, let me not get full of myself. Because what God has given me, let me not get full of myself. I don't want people to see me. I want people to see God. I don't want them to be wowed by me. I'm the signpost that's pointing them to Christ. And he says, lest I should be exalted by measure, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. He was saying that God inflicted him with something. And he calls it a messenger of Satan came to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. And concerning this thing, what does he say? I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He's saying to God, please, 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 three times. He's pleading with God and God saying, take it away from me, take it away from me. But notice what verse nine says, and God said to me, my what? My grace, come on, shout out, my grace. My grace is sufficient for you. Come on, thank God for his forgiveness, but he's not just talking about forgiveness here because Paul's struggling with something. Come on, there's a physical struggle. There's something that's taken place in his life and he is struggling to do what God has called him to do. So what does God say? My grace is sufficient for you for my strength. Come on, my power, my ability in your life is made perfect in in weakness. Stop there for a second. It's not the initial answer that Paul wanted. God, I want to do things for you and I've got this. Would you take it from me? He was waiting for God to say, done. There you go, go. It's it's healed. It's taken care of. God doesn't always do that. God doesn't always work in the ways that we think he needs to work, but he always gives us the abilities and the grace that we need to continue and make it through. Come on, he gives to us exactly what we need, not what we want. He gives us what we need. Paul, I don't think, is getting this at the first. He's probably upset with God because he's not just writing this just as he receives it. He's had to think on this for a little bit. Before he can write what he's about to say, he had to have an understanding of it. Come on, I don't get why God doesn't move in the ways I always want him to move. I don't know why sometimes I'm struggling for the cause of Christ. I don't always get that. But you know what I do get? I get his grace that is overcoming power. It's the fullness of God that is going to bring me through any circumstance and situation. Come on, Paul begins to realize, Emmanuel, God, you're with me. You're not going to leave me. You're not going to forsake me. You're right there. You're in the boat with me in the darkest night in the storm. You're ready to say, peace be still, but you've got to say it. I can't say it for you but my faith has got to be grounded and rooted in you and Paul by the time he writes this he says these words therefore most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities notice the shift God take this from me because I can't take it but now because he realizes the grace of God even in his weakened state how strong the grace of God wants to be in his life he's now turned around and say thank God for the struggles thank God for the hardships thank God for the times when I'm not feeling hunky dory on top of the world why because that doesn't mean that God's power and his grace is not there for me he goes on to say therefore I take pleasures in my infirmities in my reproaches in my needs 
in my persecutions, in my distresses for Christ's sake. Why? Because when I am weak, you know what he's saying? God, you're strong. God, in my lowest moments, your grace is there and it's able to bring me through. Your grace and your mercy, thank God for your forgiveness, but it's a power that wants to help me to live this life. Come on, what a power. The power of grace. Come on, we don't have it together all the time. We don't get all the answers that we always want. But His fullness, His grace always has it together. His grace is sufficient. In your lowest times, His grace is sufficient. In your biggest disappointments, His grace is sufficient. In your biggest hurts, His grace is sufficient. And now Paul sees what? The struggles and the hardships as an opportunity for God's power or His grace to work through His life. I'm an opportunity to be a testimony to be someone else. Why? Because the grace and the mercy that has been given to me. Remember what His grace is? Come on, it's His omnipotent power working on behalf of my life. Working for me. Yes, it has to start with His unmerited favor, forgiveness. But grace continues to give me the ability to live in that forgiveness of life. And why do I want those opportunities for God's grace? Because I'm telling you, through those opportunities, here's what else you want to see of grace. Are you ready? God's grace isn't just His gift for you. Come on, it's our gift to other people. Come on, it's our gift to other people. Why? When I'm going through the hardships and trials and people see me not responding like they think I should, but I'm still lifting my hands up and praising God. Come on, that's a gift to other people because they're going to stop and take note and say, what is it they have? Because I don't have that. I don't know what that is. Come on, God's grace to me is something that now I can grace to other people around. What a gift. A gift to me. A gift to you. But a gift to other people. So every time you see that nativity scene, every time you see Mary Joseph and the baby, the shepherds and the sheep, the donkeys, the camels, the wise men, the angels, I want you to see yourself in there. Because somewhere in there you fit in. Because we see the picture of grace. The grace that God has, that all are included, none are left out. Why? Because a Savior came. Emmanuel, God with us. He didn't just come for us, unmerited favor. He came to be with us, empowerment to live a life of victory. Come on, that you and I can have a continued testimony of grace in our lives. Come on, say with me, grace and grace. Would you stand to your feet with us today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At HeartSeas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.